I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I had no idea that I was acting. Other people did Juilliard, wow. I was doing phone sex. I had no idea right. that it was training me for what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Where did I learn improv? Phone sex, phone wow. sex. Phone sex is what taught me. This is Hello, Isaac, my podcast about the idea of success and how failure affects it. I'm Isaac Mizrahi, and in this episode, I talk to my dear friend, author, crazily, wildly talented actor, Gabourey Sidibe. Hello, Isaac. It's Gabourey Sidibe. It's been too long, and I love you so much. And I'm so excited to talk about Toxic Six, which is my pilot, and hopefully it'll be a show in a bit, and Prank Panel, which is actually a show coming up and honestly i just need a moment away from my cats because they keep clawing up my legs so please 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 please, isaac i'm so excited to talk you know gabourey sidibe has lived in my consciousness since i met her we met like a really long time ago and at the time gabby was like a young woman And she has since become this really mature and sage and wise actor. And I wanted to talk to her about that and that shift in her life. I mean, she is just so captivating and charismatic and beautiful and funny. She's so iconic. So let's have a listen. So Gabby Sidibe... I can't believe it. Hi. You know, I've always wanted to ask you this. Does gabaret mean something? Does it have like a special meaning? Well, I'm Senegalese. 
And so oh. my name is Senegalese. It's also a bit Malian because really right. I'm not Senegalese, I'm Malian. Mm-hmm. And so apparently it means the one with the beautiful cheeks. So my mom used to tell me that it meant the daughter of the queen. But, <laughs> but here's the thing, my father named me after a woman that he loved in the neighborhood that like took care of him. One of his friend's moms, who's, who was really kind to him, her name was Gabri. And so my dad named me uh, after her, but my middle name is Malingar. Malingar translates in Wolof, which is the language of Senegal, directly to my queen. My mom, a narcissist, decided that my first name meant daughter of the queen, which doesn't say anything about me. It says more about my mother than anything. (laughs) Well, that's interesting because I think your pronoun is queen, isn't it? Might as well be. I also go by priestess. Oh, that's a beauty. That's a beauty. Well, surprise me. Is there something you want to tell me about your past or about this morning? Like, you know, you had this crazy thing happen to you on the freeway or something. I don't know if there was a surprise today. I'll tell you. Can I tell you something? I was surprised to hear that you were a phone sex operator for a really Welcome long to time. me. Yes, I was. I was a phone sex And it wasn't that long. It was three years. Well, darling, that's an eternity. <laughs> it felt like it. Let me tell you what feels long. When you're sucking dick over the phone, it does feel like an eternity. So, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta keep those well, minutes going. Well, you gotta well, well. keep the minutes going. Oh, yes, darling. Wait, do a little. Can you do a little for Can us or something? Well, hey, what's your name? It, What's your name? <laughs> oh my God, your voice is so <laughs> sexy already. I'm sorry. I'm like blushing about it. <gasps> my name is actually Melody. What's yours? <gasps> Melody, my name is Paul. Paul. Oh, Paul is such a strong name. I had an English professor. By the way, I'm in my second year of college. My English professor in my freshman year, <laughs> his name was Paul. And let me tell you, Paul was so hot. <sighs> I would think about just sneaking on the desk in the middle of class and just playing with him. So, like, the thing <laughs> is, you never answer a yes or no question. You never answer a question with right. one word. You give a story. It's not about getting anybody off. It's about keeping them on with the minutes. It's like pitching. It's like going in a room and pitching in Hollywood. Like you never really let them in on the full (laughs) orgasm. You have to keep keep them going. going, Exactly. (laughs) We met on the big C. And at that time, you were like so young. I'm not going to say how old. You were like a lady. My OBGYN says I'm mammogram years old. Yes. An adult. (laughs) (laughs) How is your life different from when we met? Oh, it's incredibly different. I was a fan sex operator from 21 to 24, and then I became an actress at around 24. So I think when we met, I was maybe 27, which does seem really, really young. And yeah, I had a very different life. One, I lived in New York because that's where I'm from. Yeah. Things are, and now that I live in LA, things are very, very different. I have to drive everywhere, which is wonderful because I hated commuting. I don't want to talk to other people. What is the biggest difference though? I think when I was on the big C, I was hired to work there. Like I auditioned and I was mm-hmm. cast. And now I spend a lot of time making my own work. Instead of being right. given a job, I have begun making yeah. my own jobs. For instance, I just shot a pilot that is based on a chapter of my book where I talk about 
doing phone sex. By the way, when I was a phone sex operator, my name was Melody. My girl number was 1266. I just created a pilot called 1266. So instead of being employee 1266, 1266 now has employees. And that's probably the biggest difference between what I was like at 27 and what life is like now. I'm creating my own opportunities. Right. By the way, darling, my sex name used to be Paul. Ooh, okay. Like if you went out to meet somebody on a sex thing, they were like, you're? And I'm like, Paul. And one night someone said, really? Paul who? And I said, Paul Smith. And I just realized I blew it by saying Paul Smith. (laughs) But anyway, darling, so the difficulty about interviewing you is... I never really thought of you as just an actress. I think of you as a writer because we have the same literary agent, but also because you didn't start as an actress. You were a psych major, as I remember. Yes. For the entirety of my life, I really wanted to be a therapist. And so I studied Mm -hmm. psychology in college. So that didn't work out, though. (laughs) The first time I kind of failed out of college because life is so hard when you're like 19. And also, my first year of college was in 2001 in New York. My school was down the block from the World Trade Center. And so, like, literally the second week of school... I was out for about a month because the school became a tree. And then if you remember, if you got anywhere under 34th Street, you can smell the burning from the middle of the city. And so by the end of the year, I had asthma, panic attack, like it was bad. And so my grades dipped a bit. I went to another school, did not get any better. And then I kind of failed out and I had to wait three years to go back to school. And in those three years, I became a phone sex operator. When I was finally of age and I could go back to school on my own, I did one week of class. And then very next week, I auditioned for my first film. I auditioned on Monday and was cast by Wednesday. And then we started shooting in three weeks. Shit, really? Yeah. And Is this precious? Yes. And so I... So wait a minute. What made you think, oh, you know what? Today I'll just audition. Oh, well, my friend was a theater major in college and I had done some plays with her and her friends. And the casting director for Precious was auditioning at that same college. And even though I had done small parts here and there, I think the biggest thing I did was Glinda the Good Witch in a production of The Wiz. Nice role. I did this all while... I was waiting to go back to school. And so a friend was like, hey, this movie's coming to audition and they're specifically looking for fat black girls. And that's you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, that sounds stupid. I'm not an Mm -hmm. actress. I never took it seriously. When I left the house, I didn't know that I was going to go to the audition. I just sort of ended up on that side of the street. So you started on this thing and you were this mega hit, like right away. It's like there are certain actors like Julieta Massina or like Buster Keaton. I I feel like I look at you and I know exactly what you're doing. I know exactly what you're thinking. I find that you are a deeply, deeply gifted screen actress. Did you learn that? Did you take classes? I didn't take any classes. I think I'm very expressive. Someone once called me an open sandwich face. (laughs) Which basically means that you can see all of my emotions and everything I'm thinking on my face, (laughs) which sure, I'll take it. I didn't take classes. I wanted to, but I would ask all of these veteran actors, like, should I take a class? And Mm -hmm. they'd say, no, I don't want it to take away what you have that's natural. But I also feel like it's a disadvantage to not have taken a class. 
because there's technique no. and everyone has bad days on set. Like everyone has a day where it's like, oh, I'm not hitting the mark. I don't understand what yeah. this is and I'm not hitting it. And when that happens, people who are trained, they lean on their training. They lean on their technique. I don't have any technique or training to lean on. So I'm just out here. But you can always tell when those people are leaning on technique because it feels synthetic. Sure. It doesn't feel like they're doing their job that day. It's like Ethel Merman never had a singing lesson in her life. And George Gershwin told her, like, don't yeah. take singing lessons because we don't want you to learn how to sing any differently because you're singing perfect. You know what yeah. I mean? So, But going back to this thing about you, that's just a natural gift. Now you're producing things. Are you writing things again? I'm not write? writing. I don't write scripts as of yet. I I have a block when it comes to that. I don't 100% know how to do it, right. but I have a lot of trusted writers that I will go to. Even my show, my friend and partner, Timby Banks, she's the writer and director and co-creator. I know who She's that is. great, and so I can trust her, but I yeah. know when I'm reading something, if it's good or not, but I'm a little nervous to write things. Mm -hmm. Even though when I was a teenager, I wrote this insane soap opera I was just doing it for no reason. Ooh. So I understand story, but there's something intimidating about writing it into a script for me. Mm -hmm. Well, going back to this now, was there someone that you looked at as a young person who was inspiring to you? But I don't know that when I was a child that I had a specific acting inspiration because I didn't want to be an actor. So this is kind of a kooky story. When I was in elementary school, my best friend, her mom was schizophrenic. And she had a host of other things going on with her. And so she had a, a child therapist. And whenever I was spending the night or spending the weekend at her house, her therapy sessions were at, on Friday. So I would go with her to therapy. And the therapist would ask us questions and talk to us. And I remember thinking that it was like the first adult that asked me a real question that wanted an answer. And it wasn't some kooky, like, can you count to 12 sort of thing? Because I'm five, six years right. old. And, mm -hmm. and I was like, you get to stay in an office and people come to you and you just ask them questions and you get to know their secrets. Like, that's incredible. That is what I want to do. But I never quite <laughs> had the inspiration for what it is that I ended up doing, even though my mom was a singer. Yeah. My mom was an entertainer. There's a hit that your mom has, Yeah. Right? It was this right. Flow Rider song. After years of, you know, my mom had a gospel brunch act. She raised my brother and I by singing in the subway for years. She was sung with music Pretty. under New York for, I think, 20 or so years until she retired sort of in the last seven years or so. But right before she retired, she was on a Flow Rider song. It was, oh. Sometimes I get a good feeling. I get a feeling that I'm that one that it, played it every right. goddamn football game. That's or basketball it. Game. Right, right. And every, <laughs> every like Honda or Toyota commercial or something like that. Oh, Subway sandwich yeah, commercial. Like, literally everywhere. every damn commercial. It was everywhere, which was really great for So her. somewhere I hope she's making a little coin for that. Was she making some coin? I think that first year she did. I remember going over to her house and she was like, do you see this dress? I had it made in Japan, $2,000. <laughs> I had oh, six honey. other made. And it's like, <laughs> all right, bitch. <laughs> like, like, so I don't have to pay the rent anymore. Like, <laughs> Right, 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 right. So she did. <laughs> she definitely achieved her goal of being on television in some way and singing for millions and millions of people, which is wonderful. Were you really close to her? Absolutely not. No. I was like maybe in kindergarten. 
And I called her my best friend. And she was like, absolutely not. I'm not your friend. (gasps) (laughs) Wow. She's like, you'll make a million friends in your lifetime, but you only have one mother and I'm your mother. But no, my mom and I were not close. For a lot of different reasons, she doesn't get me. I'm a little more sensitive to her than she could fathom being to me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I love and respect her for certain. So, darling, on this show, I like to think of the arc of the show as like the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? So let's start with okay. some good stuff. What do you love about your life right um, now? What was good about your life that brought you here? There's Seriously. so much good about my life. Look, anyone that's dealt with like low-level, mid-level, high-level depression, and I have gone through all of those— Uh, at some point in my life and Mm -hmm. probably will again because depression is not one of those things that you can like, you know, take an Advil and get rid of. It's a fight that you have to fight every single day. But there's so many good things about my life. One, I know this is going to sound crazy. I have two cats. I love them desperately. The older one is Aaron. Darrell is the younger one. Darrell just had a birthday. He just turned three and we created a ball pit for him with catnip at the bottom and a baby pool of balls so that he can hang out in. We (laughs) love these cats. And we is probably the best thing in my life. My husband, Mm -hmm. I love him. He's such a great, he's just such a great man. I love him. He's so much fun. He's my best friend. I remember like 10 years ago, I'd be like, ugh, I wish I would, ugh, ugh. A best, a bo- your husband, right. your best friend, stupid. But no, he's dead ass my bestie. I remember, <laughs> darling. We kind of bonded about that. And now it's weird because it's like my husband is also divine. He is not just m- my husband. He's my best friend. Unlike your mother. <laughs> you only get one husband and you only get one best friend. Right? Exactly. My husband is so smart and he's, oh cute. my God, he's adorable. Google, Google everybody. Google yeah, Gabby's husband. He's adorable. He's, he's a good one. And also, he's such an incredible partner where, like, anything going on in my life, I'm like, okay, I'm having trouble with this. And I'll just sort of vent to him. And before I'm done venting, he's already Googled the solution or, like, Googled what is wrong or whatever. He's always thinking. He's so kind to me. And he's kind in general. He's just a really good person. And it's the easiest relationship I've ever been in. And I felt like this is different. When I met him, you know, I was trying to have a hoe phase. I just wanted one more hoe phase, just one more. But Uh I realized after spending a few days with him, maybe a few weeks or so, I realized I like who I was when I was with him. Like, I like me. Which I didn't know that that was an option. I didn't know that that was a thing, that you could like yourself better with someone else. Mm -hmm. And I just simply did. And we just celebrated two years of marriage. We've been together, I think, four years now. Mm -hmm. We survived the pandemic. We really, really sort of hunkered down with each other and really, really, Mm -hmm. really loved each other through the pandemic. And it was really nice, at least in my home. Is he in the business? Oh my God, no. We met on Raya. It's a dating Mm -hmm. app, but it's for the industry. It's very elitist. They go through your contacts and make sure you know famous people, which is... Be careful. (laughs) It's it's such a weird app. It really is. He's not in my specific business, but he's business adjacent. He's in music, actually. Now he's in tech, but he was an agent for a long time. He's a branding agent. It's nuts. We have a bunch of platinum plaques in my living room now because he has 
platinum plaque. Yeah. The fact that you didn't submit some kind of form to me in advance of this marriage, I'm a little upset. I should meet him. You should meet him. You would love him. Moving on. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so here's the middle part of this, which is like the bad or something. I feel like I've seen a million interviews with you about your past, but what's hard in your life right now? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, there are a lot of things. I think certainly, like, body stuff 
It's probably one of those things because I just turned 40. And I remember mm-hmm. and my husband is like two years younger than me. And mm-hmm. he was like, you're about to turn 40. He got me these things that said, like, it was my face on it with the number 40 on Instagram, 40th birthday. And I was like, watch your tone. Like, exactly. who, who are you? Are you? I like thought that? I knew you. I was like, you don't get it because I think in two years he'll get it. But I was like, there's something odd right. about turning 40. And this is literally mm-hmm. what I thought mm-hmm. was, oh, no. I only know how to be adorable. That's what I thought about you. And I was happy to see when you logged on how cute you still look. So talk to me about the body issue thing, because that's for me also a big, big, big thing. How do we talk about that? What words do you use? Who do you talk to about? Are you in therapy? uh, Yeah, I'm in therapy. Yeah. 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 Twice a week. Twice a week. Twice a week. Thursday is my day. Oh, my God. Since I'm eight years old. (laughs) Thursday is my day. I love my therapist. Yeah. Body issues. The thing about a body is you cannot escape it. And a lot of the issues that you have, there are things that we can see, like everyone can see that I'm fat, but there are also things that you can't see. Like I work out five days a week and that the biggest battle in my life is sugar and carbs and I can do all the good things. I do the right things, but I just want a bagel also. And it's like, if I box three days a week and I take Pilates, like I literally had this really, really tough Pilates class last night. I only had one outburst where I screamed, how is this not done yet? Uh, One time in Pilates is hard. (laughs) Like I did a strip pull class. Like I'm doing all these things so that I technically have a healthy body. Mm -hmm. I have a team of doctors all the time. I don't have diabetes. I don't have high blood pressure. I've looked at my heart over and over again. There's nothing wrong with my heart. I am technically healthy and actually pretty strong. Mm -hmm. But because I still have a fat body around all the things that I do, Mm -hmm. and I do mostly eat healthy, but no matter what, when people see me, it's like, why is she so fat? Why are you still fat? You know what they said about Lizzo the other day, if she dances every night, how come she's so fat? And it's like, you don't understand. Our bodies are supposed to be different. And just because you can see that I'm bigger than you does not mean that I am less healthy than you. And it doesn't mean that I don't Mm -hmm. care about myself. I remember someone saying one time, I can't wait till you start loving yourself so that you can lose the weight and taking care of yourself. And it's like literally every waking moment I'm taking care of myself. That's a stupid thing. But people say say. stupid things all the time. I actually did get weight loss surgery and I hadn't told anyone yet, but I was Mm -hmm. losing weight. And I remember I was living in Chicago and the door woman who I saw all the time and I'd known for three years or so, one day she said to me, I see you losing weight. And I was like, yeah, a little bit. And she's like, don't lose too Uh, much because your face is already getting gone. And it's like, bitch, you have a problem with my body when it's fat. You also have a problem with it when it's it's like, and like, I remember reading, people were writing op-eds about their heartbreak for me having a smaller body, which to be fair, I have yet to achieve the body that I want. And I will never, ever achieve the body that other people can be happy with, which is Mm -hmm. ridiculous. But it's like, what, why do you think you get to tell me to lose weight and then not lose weight anymore? I don't know you, but you're heartbroken over me. Like, it's so weird. People do not mind their own bodies. And it is hard and it can be quite heartbreaking because not everyone is able to lose weight oh honey 
All right. Is there a failure that you had in your life that brought you some kind of incredible inspiration? Like you went down and then all of a sudden you learned this beautiful lesson? I think so. I really think that phone sex and what that brought me, because I fully did it from 21 and I didn't leave until I was 24. It can be really, really funny, but the average call is gross. And it's not just what they're asking you to do. It's also what they're asking of you. For instance, where I worked, every woman there was Black or Latina. Like everyone, it was Black and brown folks that held up the company. And it was women with bigger bodies too. It was like all of these plus size women who were either Black or Latina. And on the phone, you had to be white. Full stop. Every single person Uh, is white on the phone. You're not only just white, you are also thin with a tiny waist and gigantic titties and the cutest little butt. And at that point, it was still cool to have Mm -hmm. a small butt. And so it's still (laughs) cool. So like, whatever your butt is, you better make it a little tiny apricot. Like your butt is small, okay, babe? Yes. And Mm -hmm. long blonde hair and long (laughs) hair that was natural and all of these things that we generally just are not unless it was completely specified Mm -hmm. like a bunch of different lines got filtered into the same company and so there was a latino girl line there was asian girl and black girl no one barely ever called black girl but if it didn't say either of those three things you were white that was the whole thing there was no jewish girl category no jewish girl like i'm so tired stop bothering me because that turns some people on i'll tell you that would be a really good phone (laughs) i would have loved i would have loved (laughs) to be against that over the phone i'd be like so why aren't you married yet could you imagine oh my god wouldn't that be great would you dating (laughs) i would (laughs) feeling sexy call a yenta i would love that i would love that so much oh my god i would live I have a Jewish mother-in-law. I love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I love that so much for you. I love that so much for you. Can you please write that into your show? Darling, <laughs> write that into your show because that is fucking hilarious, okay? That is funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wow. Now, you were talking about being right. a sex worker. So what did it do to your sex life? Did it make you better at sex or scared of it or bored? What? Oh, honey. One, (laughs) I will say this. At the time that I was hired, I had only had sex one time. (gasps) To be fair, to be fair, to be fair, it was twice. It was the same night, but twice it counts, right? It does, it counts. It was the same night, but sure. I definitely joined thinking, (laughs) oh, bitch is in trouble now because I am because right. okay? I'm getting paid for being sexy, okay? Everybody better run because I'm out here. And it did not help at all. Right. It did not help at all because what you can be over the phone is Damn. very different than what you can be in person. And like also over the phone, I'm literally a small, thin, petite, white. I had a blonde voice, but I chose to be brunette. Mm-hmm. So your voice tells you what your hair color is. So like a high-pitched voice, a younger voice is blonde, a deeper voice is brunette, and the deepest voice would be a redhead. These are just things that we visually think. And so I was a blonde. I chose to be brunette. And so I'd be like, yes. And they'd be like, blonde, and go, "Mm, naturally, but like, so I can have more to talk about. 
Who I had to be on the phone was completely different, the very opposite of who I am as a person. And Mm -hmm. not every single call was about getting someone off. A lot of times the guys would call because they were lonely and they wanted to make friends and Mm -hmm. they wanted to talk to someone who was interesting and they would like me and they would call me back and they'd be like, wow, this guy really fell for me over the phone. But if he saw me in person, it would be a completely different story. In fact, there's this one guy that called me religiously. He loved me. He was from Alberta. And he would make sure that I was white. He really, really wanted to make sure I was white. He would ask me, what kind? Are you Irish? Is your skin alabaster? And he would call out racial slurs to make sure that I wasn't that racial slur. And these calls... You're trained to keep them on. There is no scenario where in which it is okay for me to come out of character and cuss somebody out over the phone and tell them, well, I am Black. It's not helpful, and it never works, and I'll get written up. And so I really, really had to shrink a gigantic part of me, which made this job, while really, really fun, made the job extremely demeaning extremely hard to go to day wow, after day right. to do these. Sometimes I would leave early because I just couldn't take it anymore. I mean, you had to go somewhere to do the job. I didn't do, do it at home. So ah, there was a call center. Right. Okay. Some girls did work right. from home, but you make more money in the call center because they pay you whether the phone is ringing or not. If you're doing it at home, you're only making mm-hmm. money off the calls. And so that's why I worked at a call center and I would do 12 hour shifts because I could and because I was young and I, you know, like whatever, Mm -hmm. I'll do an 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. And then the next morning I'd go to church. Wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Make sure. So was there a massive lesson or some kind of great thing that you took? Absolutely. So every single call, I am playing a different character. I'm Melody. 1266, but also there's a line that's for horny housewives. So then Melody is a little older and she's married (sighs) and I have to figure out where my husband is. And there's so much improv. There's so many different characters built into just one job. I had no idea that I was acting. Other people did Juilliard, I was doing phone sex. I had no idea that it was training me for what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, I had no clue. And my first audition for Precious, my first film, I did it and then immediately went to work and did a 12-hour shift and did not see the correlation. And even on in Precious, a lot of what ended up in the film are things that I improv. When I was on Empire... I would improv a lot. They would write less lines for me so that I can fill in the blanks. I had no idea. Where did I learn to improv? UCB? Nope. Film sex. Film sex. Film sex is what taught me. Unbelievable. Isn't that so strange? And like, it really, I was like... It's amazing. It's insane. Because because here's the thing. I have gone to acting class. I went to performing arts high school and I did acting class for years. And the thing is, it's exactly what you're talking about. And they don't make it simple for you to figure it out. Acting teachers want you to stay in acting class. So they don't say, here's what it's about. It's about pretending so deeply that you actually convince yourself so that if someone says to you, hey, Melody, what'd you have for lunch? You can say, well, I had a, you know, a, a cheeseburger and some fries and and all I could think about was eating, you know, whatever it is. Because that is what it's about. It's like really completely convincing yourself. And in a big way, it's about mm-hmm. pretending, right? And like, also seriously. a very, very big thing that I learned from this is listening. 
You cannot give the customer Listen. what they want unless you are listening. And a lot of times people will tell you exactly what they want in the questions that they ask you, as long as you are listening and paying attention. And that is what's happening when I'm acting. I'm listening to my scene partner. I'm listening to everything so that even if they mess up a line or something, I'll follow that. And when we're improving, you say this thing, I'm going to say something back. I'm going to yes and you. I had no idea that on phone sex, I was learning to yes and. <laughs> yes and. But that's, that's yeah. what it is. You were just yes, yes and Yeah. Yes and your testicles. <laughs> yes and your pubic hairs. And the shaft. That, <laughs> <laughs> that goes back to therapy. It's listening and kind of listening to a million stories, you know. Do you ever think about what you missed out on as a therapist? I... Do I did. I did for a long time. I don't know who people keep confusing me for. Like just about once a year, someone will be like, oh my God, and you went to an Ivy League school, right? You graduated from Princeton? And I'm like, no, I did not. <laughs> like, for whatever reason, people keep mistaking me for someone who did. However, mm. at the beginning of my career, I felt like, damn, you didn't do it. Damn. So this is what you're going to do instead of like, you're not going to go back to school. You're not going to get that psychology degree. You're never going to do this. And I felt really stupid. And then people will stop me in the street. People were coming to Q and A's that I was doing and they would say, precious really touched me because I grew up in foster care or I had a parent Mm -hmm. that was like this. And I felt less alone because I saw your performance and I'm doing a show called prank panel which is super fun. It's Yeah, it's I can't wait so to see fun. that. It's so fun. There's like a special episode up on Hulu now and it's going to be officially on ABC in July. So we're excited about it. The, the premise of the show is people pitch their ideas for pranks and then we'll either say no or we'll do it and we'll produce their prank. So this girl, mm-hmm. we pitched a prank about her dad. We do the prank and then they come back and we interview them. And the dad had such a connection to me. And they were like, he's going to be so excited to me, so excited. And I was like, why? And it turns out that he grew up in foster care and he saw the movie and he really felt like this is my life and I'm not alone. And so I realized that like, look, if I had become a therapist, I there's only 24 hours in a day, five days in a work week. There's only so many customers and patients that I can see and talk to. But with the work that I'm actually doing, I can touch and reach so many more people than I could have ever fathomed with my work just by doing Mm -hmm. what I do, even though I want to make this clear, I do what I do for money. Exactly. I know, darling. (laughs) I know. um, I know. Pay me. And yes, I will love it. I will love the job. My my cats need Mm -hmm. toys, but I do love that aspect that I could make something that I can be a part of something that feels really fun in the moment and it goes into the world and people are able to see themselves through this thing. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. 
It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she? as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I like your generation a lot. How do you communicate with younger people? How do you navigate the world now that you're an adult? How do I talk to the younger generation? First of all, The next generation, they are getting things done. I think that if anybody can solve global warming, Mm -hmm. that it's them. We just need enough of them to be rich enough (laughs) to really do it Mm -hmm. or to make the right people feel bad enough or care enough about this, you know, this world (laughs) in order to do something. But they're so Mm -hmm. brassy. They're so bold. I love all of the things that they have learned. Look, my generation, we're the first generation getting therapy and out here really talking about it and speaking about Mm -hmm. boundaries and they're learning from us and they're faster. They're faster than us because they're younger Mm -hmm. getting these things done. I feel like even though look, the news is daunting. Everything is scary. Everything is awful. But I feel like when the younger generation really gets into power, that they can turn things around. I think we're going to end up with a kinder world. I think they're smarter, faster than us. But here's what I'm doing with the youth. I have a young assistant. She's like in her 20s. She's dope. And what I do is I tell her, listen, if you're straight and you want to date men, 
You just have to wrap your brain around dating someone who's bisexual. It's not weird. Wrap your brain around dating the trans man. I don't know why. It's like, that's what I was Oh, like. no, you're yeah, right, like, though. No. I mean, that's like what I'm telling you're the right. younger you. Like, listen mm-hmm. now, just because he's bisexual doesn't mean that you can't love him. This is definitely going to make it seem like my husband is. He is not. <laughs> he's not. But right. like, I actually had a crush on someone who was bisexual. And I was like, would I? And I was like, well, why wouldn't we I? Have because... The idea is, well, I'm already competing with women. I want to compete with a man, too. And Mm -hmm. my grandmother said, if you're not doing it, he'll find somebody else who will. Mm -hmm. Okay, but babe, you shouldn't be with someone who's cheating Mm -hmm. on you. Full stop. Unless you're into polyamory. Sure. That's the thing that I love about this new generation. That's one thing I really love about them is that they come right out and they go, I am these few genders. I am this person who likes polyamory. I am that can be very objective about us. And I don't know why people of my generation can't be objective about them. What is better than polyamory? What is better than multiple sexuality or pansexuality? Sure. But that's also like, if that is your lifestyle and if that is what what well, makes of course. sense to you. I understand it in people. I see it in other people. I accept, like, I don't need to say I accept it because, like, nobody needs me to accept anything. Right. My relationship is very, very monogamous. So is I mine. I don't like enough people to be in a polyamorous thing. Like, I don't like too many people me at the too. same time. Me too. I'm also so oh exhausted. I'm so exhausted. So and we have sex occasionally and it's fun and it's great and then I'm exhausted. You know, so I don't understand how I would accommodate yeah, I like more the people. I like the language and I like that people are more accepting and I feel like they're exploratory a little faster. I feel like my generation was like going to college yes. and being like, maybe I'll kiss a girl. They are getting to it younger. <laughs> they're exploring and the ideas of gender and gender norms and sexuality are different to them. That's true. That's true. And I look at you and I'm like, she would be the greatest mother. Thank you. I do want children. I'm going to let that baby know immediately we're not friends. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? To go back to that thing that she said, it's good to say, you know what? You get one mother, you know? I could make more friends. I 100% could make more friends. I cannot make another mother. I can't. He was right. Right. This is the truth, I think that what her thinking was made me more independent. I'm not codependent with my mother. I don't lean on her for anything. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Thing. But, you know, it's funny because your relationship with your mom is quite a defined thing because we've spoken mm-hmm. about it. I, I know where you are with her. Whereas with mine, it's really malleable and elastic and I hate her. And then I really love her. And then I just hate her. You know, I remember Steve Sondheim. He was a really good friend of mine. And there are stories about his mother, darling, and what she said to him and what she wrote to him. She was a monster and he had every right to like really hate that woman, you know. And one day my mother said something so awful to me and I called him and I was like, Steve, I get it. I understand now. I'm so excited. It finally happened. She finally finally showed herself as a full monster to me. And Steve was like, yeah, yeah, nice to hear. I'll call you back. You know, it's like, what does that mean? He goes, call me in two hours when you love her again. Because even if you hate them, you love them. That's the nature of having a relationship with someone you didn't choose, which is your family. Things change like hours in a day. And there are also aspects of someone that you can absolutely hate, 100% hate. But then there are other things where it's like, Mm -hmm. well... 
you did teach me this and I do get this from you. And this is the thing I like about you. I think I was anxious about my book coming out and I called my mom and I was looking for comfort there. I was looking for her to be like, oh, it's okay. You're okay. You're going to do amazing. You're wonderful, blah, blah, blah. Even though she had never been like that. Like that's never where I got comfort or reassurance for something. Sure. When I was a child, but as an adult, no. And when she did not perform the thing I wanted her to perform, I was upset and we hung up and I told my therapist and my therapist said, you know, if you go down to Home Depot, they don't sell milk. They sell tools. There's wood. You can buy plants there, but you cannot buy milk. Nice. If you go to your mom looking for this thing, looking for affection, looking for this thing that she actually has never given you, then that's on you. Don't go to Home Depot to buy milk. Yep. And so, and so in that, Jesus, what I know she's a good goddamn therapist. This one, she's great. (laughs) But like with that, I learned that with everyone, with anything, I take what is useful. I take what I can get. And for the things I can't, I -hmm. find them other places. That works for my cat. There you go. Like my older cat, I love him so much. He does (laughs) not want to cuddle with me at all. At best, he'll sit near me and take a nap, but he's not going to cuddle with me. He doesn't sell that. But the younger one does. And so I take what I can from Aaron and I get my cuddles from Darrell. Yes, you do. Same thing from me. All right, well, I have one last question. Darling, what is the headline of your obituary in the New York Times when when you go? Ooh, that's dark. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? I feel like it's so light-filled. Like, so I think the first thing it would have to say is predeceased by her husband. I'm not allowed to die before him. Literally, he says it just about every day. I'm not allowed to. Honestly, he's obsessed with me and can't live in the world without me. And honestly, this is exactly what I deserve. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) good for you. Just wonderful. So, predeceased by her husband, Brandon Frankel, Gabrielle City Bay, phonetically spelt. (laughs) Get it right, (laughs) even in death. Get me right, bitch. Exactly. Loved by many, missed by all. Um, survived by her children, grandchildren, cats, and grandcats. Lived a wonderful, long, and out loud life. Award-winning, multi-award-winning actor, director, producer, writer. Um, kicking ass until the next life. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with all of that, except I would never want my dogs to live because what would they do without me? Like Arnold is so measly with treats and he won't feed them off the table. I'm not kidding. Every time I go on a plane, I text him right before I'm about to take off and I go, darling, if I go down, you give my dogs chicken as much as you can, like every minute, just give them a lot of chicken because that's all they fucking want. You know, so why don't you give it to them? Give them what they need. Exactly. And I know that if it's my last dying thing, he will do it. (laughs) I would, when I have kids, my kids are going to be very kind. My kids are going to be at least half my husband and he's the dopest. And so they're probably going to be like mm-hmm. mediums and witches. And they're just going to be <laughs> impacts with an innate ability to speak to animals. And so I will trust those children with my animals, with my cats. Yes. 
Beautiful, beautiful. I love you I so love much. You. I can't believe we're not best. Well, like, I moved. There was a whole pandemic. I know. I know. But I do miss you. All right. Well, I love you. you. Goodbye, <laughs> Goodbye. Gabby. Bye. I love you. <laughs> So, you know, something about Gabourey Sidibe, she is like this crazy archetype in our culture. And I always wonder to myself, is that intentional? Did it just happen? And again and again, as I do these interviews on Hello, Isaac, I realize that it's a really good mix of this kind of preconceived idea, like a destination, and then like the world kind of gets involved and changes the whole thing and makes it even better. Gabby talks about not even thinking about being an actor, and then she becomes this crazy, like, example of what an actor is. And that was just chance. That happened by chance. And yet she had an intention in this world to be something and to do something great. Anyway, that's what I took away from all of this. And I just loved it. Darlings, if you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor and tell someone, tell a friend, tell your mother, tell your cousin, tell everyone you know, okay? And be sure to rate the show. I love rating stuff. Go on and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts so more people can hear about it. It makes such a gigantic difference and like it takes a second. So go on and do it. And if you want more fun content, videos and posts of all kinds follow the show on instagram and tiktok at hello isaac podcast this is isaac mizrahi thank you i love you and i never thought i'd say this but goodbye isaac hello isaac is produced by imagine audio awfully nice and i am entertainment for iheart media the series is hosted by me, Isaac Mizrahi. Hello, Isaac is produced by Robin Gelfenbein. The senior producers are Jesse Burton and John Asante. It is executive produced by Ron Howard, Brian Grazer, Cara Welker, and Nathan Clokey at Imagine Audio. Production management from Katie Hodges. Sound design and mixing by Cedric Wilson. Original music composed by Ben Walzer. A special thanks to Neil Phelps and Sarah Katanak at I Am Entertainment. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. 
Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.